occult crimes, paranormal investigations, urban legends, and strange happenings. Welcome to Myths, Magic, and Murder. <laughs> hey, welcome to Myths, Magic, and Murder. This is episode 46. I'm Abby. I'm Kate, and we'll be your ghostesses on this beautiful day. It's kind of cold, but yeah, sure. It's what? freezing. <laughs> what are you talking about today, Kate? I will be telling you all about werewolves. Ooh, spooky Halloween theme. In particular, the Richardson family murders. I'm excited. I'm talking about a vampire, sort of. It's more of a twisted serial killer, but there are definitely some vampire elements. It's Ooh, very fun. interesting. Love very that. dark, but we'll talk about yours first. But before that, I do have a little bit of strange spooky news. Love it. For October. And that is that a creepy possessed doll was seen crying real tears at a ghost hunt. Oh, no. thought you might like that because it's a bit horrific, you know? Yeah. So there's a paranormal investigator named Matt Tillett, and he was investigating the hideout bar in Wales when his doll started crying for no reason. Oh, my God. So basically, he brings this doll that he's named Annie along with him on investigations to try and like lure out the spirits. So when she started crying, was he like, Annie, are you okay? Oh, my God. <laughs> And at the investigation, Matt said that he heard screaming and he was able to communicate with a 170-year-old spirit, but he's not sure why Annie was so upset and why she started crying. And she's kept in a protective box because, you know, she's possessed and she's been crying since he put her in this new enclosure. So she has little tear stains on her little porcelain face. I'd cry if I was kept in a glass box used for like... What is it? An EMP? <laughs> well, they can't figure out why, why she's started crying because she's never cried before. But Matt said that the lights were going on and off in her box. So we assumed that there was sort of spirit children trying to play with her. And he contacted demonologists who suggested that the demon inside Annie might be crying because they can't get out of the box. But what do you think before we talk about some crazy crimes? I think that whatever it is, I don't want a part of it, honestly. Honestly, fair enough, yeah. It's a bit, bit Don't wild. bring her anywhere near me. Don't bring your ghostly, demonic children to me. Don't bring that glass box anywhere near me. And have a good day. I mean, fair, yeah. I was thinking more demons are always up to some shit. So I was thinking that they were just trying to be like, let me out. I'm just yeah, a little doll. Yeah, yeah, probably. Demons are yeah. messy. I'm so sad in here. Let me out. You're, don't you're a liar don't let her out it's probably not even a her yeah probably just a big creepy man stuffed <laughs> inside a doll that's how you want to think about it then sure all right let me let me give you all my sources for this week go on then crimeslab.com mamamia.com oh wow cvc.ca nexopia.com wikipedia murderpedia huffingtonpost.ca and allthatsinteresting.com Did you manage to get on Murderpedia in the end then? I did. Basically, I did all of this research in a library. I know, sophisticated. <laughs> and even though this is about family murders, I could get on every single website other than Murderpedia, but I was trying to access it from the children's area of the the library. Not so. in a creepy way, we just couldn't find any other bit of the library. <laughs> so It's a confusing layout. Anyway. This true crime event took place in southeast Alberta, Canada, in a little-known place called Medicine Hat. That sounds really cute. I know, right? Well, I'm saying little-known, but they had a population of 63,260 back in 2016. It's not that little-known, then, is it? You're well, I guess, straight up lying to I me. guess at least that many people know about it, but I think in terms of, like, Canada and America and stuff, that's pretty small. Oh, yeah, they have lots of people over there. 
England yeah. is not that big. No, I used to live in a village with like 200 people in it and we were like, this is fine. <laughs> <laughs> we're built up. We had a co-op. We were fine. So this is where Mark, Deborah, Tyler Jacob and Jasmine Richardson lived back in 2006. Mark was a 42-year-old father who loved his 48-year-old wife, Deborah, deeply. Jasmine was the firstborn and was 12 back in 2006. She was described as being a happy and outgoing girl. Jacob was the youngest and was only eight years old. Both children seem to have had a reasonably happy and conventional upbringing, as far as I can tell. Obviously, with Jasmine being around this age, she kind of wanted to involve herself more in self-expression and find out who she was, make cool friends who share her interests. Well, we've all been there. So when at a punk rock concert at age 11, she made friends with Jeremy Steinker, or Steinker? I'm going to say Steinker. A 23-year-old boy. Okay, that's a red flag. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Straight off the bat, don't let your 11-year-olds talk to 23-year-olds. Their involvement together... <laughs> also, don't let your 23-year-olds talk to 11-year-olds. Oh yeah, it goes both ways. <laughs> Their involvement together led her to make an account on vampirefreaks.com. Oh, back in the day, that was big. Yeah. It's still around. Is it? Yeah. I remember, it, I mean, I'm not that old. I'm also 23. But I was interested in that when I was like 12. Yeah. I think it's been around for a long time. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. cool. Okay, sorry, continue. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's still around, but it seems to be less of like a forum-based posting site. And more of like a, I think they sell stuff now and like, all right, fair, whatever. So yeah, it's cool. They're still going here. She described herself as a 15 year old, bisexual, Wiccan, nocturnal, awkward, deep thinker who was insane. Sounds like most 11 year olds who are on yeah, Vampire right. Freaks or any of those websites. And to be fair, she did look around 15, 16. Yeah. You've seen the photo of her. Was that just so she wanted to get on the website or was that to meet other people? I've not got a clue. Well, she already knew Jeremy, so I've honestly not got a Scooby-Doo why she said she was 15. Fair enough. Probably, yeah, just to get access to the website. With her interests being in dark poetry, criminal psychology, blood, kinky shit, and human anatomy. So, I don't know which 11-year-old is interested in kinky shit, but they need to be grounded right now. Yeah. As she used this online platform more and spoke to Jeremy more, she became more withdrawn and rebellious, with her idols becoming Jeffrey Dahmer and Marilyn Manson. She probably just thought, I mean, I don't know how this story goes, but... She was probably trying to be edgy, right? Yeah, when you're about that age and you want to be like, oh, I'm emo, or like, oh, I'm goth, whether you are or not, you always go through a phase, I feel like, where you're just trying to be as edgy as possible to seem cooler to the older people. Exactly, so. and especially since... Jeremy's account described him as a gothic individual who believed in blood, destruction, guts, gore, and greed. And then it said, am I God's champion or Satan's angel? So that's a bit more worrying because he's 23. <laughs> yeah, but like you can kind of see like, I mean, maybe she was just like that at that age. Like some oh, people yeah, are, sure. but like maybe it was to kind of like be like, look, Jeremy, I'm so cool. Yeah. His interests were listed as scarification, pain, Kinky fetishes, blood, and razor blades. He's not playing around. No. The pair would also chat on Nexopia, which is a Canadian social network forum posting thing that they had. I think it's still around, but... So Jasmine fell for Jeremy. And vice versa. Oh. Yeah. 
Vice versa. I imagine as a 12-year-old, the fact that a 23-year-old was taking an interest in you was pretty exhilarating. Probably. Even more so as he told her he was special. Get ready for this. Okay. This was because he was allegedly a 300-year-old werewolf. All right. Mm -hmm. That's pretty rad, if true. Probably not. Probably not. But if it was, then... Jeremy's oddities didn't stop here, either as he wore a vial of blood around his neck and eventually convinced Jasmine to do one of her own and the pair were going to exchange them. Oh, they were going to bond. Yeah. Seems a bit odd, really. Which, lots of people do that. The whole thing. Yeah, but for a 23-year-old and a 12-year-old... Yeah, the age is obviously gross, you know. I mean, I think it's kind of gross to wear blood anyway. Like, you do you... But I do not see that as an accessory. I see that as an internal need. Fair enough. But yeah, 23-year-old and a 12-year-old? So obviously when Mark and Deborah found out that their 12-year-old daughter was in a relationship with the 23-year-old boy, they flipped Actually, out. Actually, he's 300. I thought oh, you just said that. Sorry. 300-year-old werewolf boy. They flipped out and forbade her from seeing him again. As you would. Okay. When Jasmine told Jeremy this, she said she loved him and no one would be able to separate them, not even her parents. Jeremy agreed, and Jasmine then went on to say, I have this plan. It begins with me killing them and ends with me living with you. Oh. Instead of Jeremy being appalled, he later said, You ready? Payment. My lover's rents are totally unfair. They say they really care. They don't know what's going on, they just assume. As their greed continues to consume, she is going slowly insane. She continues to thank that I came into her life to help her out and to stop what they keep trying to shout. It's all total bullshit. Their throats I want to slit. They will regret the shit that they have done, especially when I see to it that they are gone. They shall pay for their insolence. Finally, there shall be silence. Their blood shall be payment. That's dramatic as hell. They both obviously have some issues. Yeah, I mm. think they both just need a nice hot bath. <laughs> and to chill out. A cup out. of tea. Yeah, right? She's 12. Her parents are going to be annoying and disapprove of you. Their parents. Right? Like, why are you surprised? Hmm. As a 22-year-old, right? And I'm sure you, as a 23-year-old, can be like... Even if, for some reason that I can't comprehend, I wanted to date someone that much younger than me, I would not be surprised that everyone would disagree with it. Yeah. Because it's illegal, first of all. It's illegal, but even if it wasn't illegal... It's still odd. It Yeah. You're a completely different life stages. I mean, obviously, when you're of consent engaged, it doesn't really matter, but 11, 12 is... They've just started secondary school. Yeah, you can't go about dating someone like that. I mean, obviously, because, as I said, it's illegal and it's gross, but also, yeah, to have their parents just be like, this is great. That's not going to happen, is it? No, (laughs) really. And if they are, you have to question them at that point. Why are you okay with that? Anyway, over the next few weeks, Jasmine told her friends about the plan she had created to kill her parents. Oh, Jasmine, come on. Her friends being the other... 12-year-olds they were, would laugh and say she would never do something like that because she was raised well and that she was just being dramatic. 
Fair enough. You'd think that, wouldn't you? Well, you would think that, well, wouldn't this you? This is a crime podcast, so I'm going to say that that didn't happen. Meanwhile, Jeremy was egging Jasmine on, saying that he liked the plan she had made and that she needed to kill her brother too. And he was like, yeah, I like bits of it, but you need to make it a bit more complex. Why? Don't know. This guy's so dramatic. Yeah. Why doesn't he do it if he's a werewolf? Surely it would be easier. Anyways, just turn into your wolf form and kill them all. Done. Anyway, on the evening of April 22nd, Jeremy and Jasmine sat together and watched Natural Born Killers. For those that don't know, this is a film about a couple who become mass murderers. Spoiler. And they're super glorified by the entire film, really. And Jeremy later said to an undercover police officer that the movie Natural Born Killers was the best love story of all time. Wow. In this same conversation, he said that he wished to marry Jasmine, bear in mind she's 12, and that the couple had already pretty much got engaged, as they said they wished to be married, and when she was old enough, they wanted to get tattoos of rings. Fair. I mean, you know, not everything else, but tattoos is pretty cool, I guess. (laughs) Trying to find some pros. Before I go anywhere else with this, let me give you a bit of background on Jeremy. He was frequently bullied at school throughout his life, and his home life was no better. Here he was abused by his alcoholic mother's partner, and then by the time he met Jasmine, he'd already attempted to take his own life. Obviously, none of that makes any of the actions Jeremy does reasonable, but I think it's important to know. Oh yeah, definitely. Anyway, it's now the 23rd of April. Jasmine is upstairs with her brother, Jacob, as Jeremy sneaks into the house. He then went into the basement and found Deborah. Then he stabbed her to death with a knife. Oh my god. Since she screamed, Mark came downstairs quickly to see what was going on. Then Jeremy tried to stab him, but Mark fought back with a screwdriver. Unfortunately, though, his defense was futile, and he too was stabbed to death. Gosh. Jeremy then went to see Jasmine up in Jacob's room, and here... One of the two of them slit her brother's throat. How old was he? Jacob? Yeah. Eight. That's so upsetting. The horrors of the house were found by a friend of Jacob who was scheduled to have a play date with him. Oh no. Yeah. He saw a body through the window, so he went home to tell his mum, who phoned the police. That's so terrible. When police entered the home, they found the bodies, but obviously Jasmine's body wasn't there. So they thought that she'd been kidnapped by the murderer, so they put out an amber alert. Right, that would make sense. Well, yeah, because she's 12. Yeah, you wouldn't immediately assume that, would you? However, they didn't think she was kidnapped for long, as they started going through her emails and online accounts. One day after the killings, the couple were found in Leda, which is 80 miles away from Medicine Hat. They were found laughing and cuddling in Jeremy's truck. Neither one of the two showed any remorse for what they'd done, and Jasmine said they were legends and immortal in different notes that were exchanged between the two of them. That's wild. The fact that she continued to think that the whole time. Yeah. I was kind of thinking that she'd back out and he'd just do it. Nope. Kind of like the vampire story we talked about quite a while ago Yeah, the now. vampire clan murders. Yeah, that's, a, that's the exact one, yeah. <laughs> um, Where he, no spoilers, he killed people, but they weren't all on board with it kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, but... Wow, to be 12 as well, Mm -hmm. and just completely disregard your parents like that. Obviously, some issues going on. 
Jasmine was the youngest killer convicted in Canada's history and only received a 10-year sentence in prison. 10 years? For the three murders. Holy shit. While on trial, she maintained that Jeremy had killed her younger brother, saying that he'd come upstairs after killing the parents, and then said, stab him, just stab him, slit his throat. To which she replied that she couldn't, and eventually she stabbed him in the chest, and then Jeremy came over, took the knife, and slit his throat. Regardless, she's now out of prison, and has completed university while living on her own. Wow, I wonder how that's going for her. Yeah. Me too. Well, she has a... I just wonder if she sort of regrets it or feels anything about it now. Well, she has a new identity now and is allowed to roam free, but apparently she was a poster child for rehabilitation, according to her caseworkers. Like, she hit every single milestone and I guess showed remorse in the end, but if you are kind of that way, like, psychopathic, I guess, wouldn't you just fake it? I guess, yeah. To get out? I always think that. How do they know for sure? Especially if you're like, yeah, I'm hitting all the targets. Like, surely you would be thinking, how do I hit all the targets so I can get out of here? Yeah, right. If your psychologist is like, okay, we need to work on this, you're probably just going to fake it, surely. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I hope she's not thinking about killing more people because that would be terrible. That it would. Jeremy received a life sentence with a possibility for parole after 25 years. He still maintains that Jasmine killed her brother. Wow, I wonder which one it was. Yeah, right. I thought it was going to be, like, obvious, but no, there's no conclusive answer. Huh. Yeah. And their friend, I think Jeremy's friend Casey, also went to prison for a bit because she drove his car with the evidence in to, like, get rid of it. Um, But... She wasn't really a vital point in the story. But yeah, I don't know if the two are still in contact or what, but everyone was pretty annoyed when she was getting released after 10 years. I mean, she did go to a psychiatric hospital as well. Um, But yeah, 10-year sentence. I guess it's because she's so young, maybe she could rethink about what she'd done. But if it was her idea in the first place... Yeah, like, we need to kill my parents. Yeah. Like, yes, it's his fault because he did it. And he was older, so he should have known better. Like, I know at being 11 and 12, you should know that killing your parents is wrong, obviously. But maybe you wouldn't really process it properly. Yeah. Because it's just kind of a thought. Well, like, you don't really realise that once a life ends, it's gone. Yeah, yeah. I feel like until you've experienced that, you probably don't really know exactly what it's like. But I don't know her, obviously, so. Kind of luckily, I guess. Oh, yeah, definitely. (laughs) So, what are your thoughts on the whole thing? I think it's absolutely wild. I know, right? It's crazy. What sentence would you have given? Oh, interesting. I have no idea. (laughs) What would you, as a psychology person? I think if you were involved in and possibly committed a murder yourself, and like there were three murders of her family members, I think you should get an adult sentence. Fair enough. Because she was 12. I mean, here in the UK, I think it's 10 or above. You can be legally tried as an adult. Fair. That would make sense. Well, I understand that when you're under that age, it is hard, especially for you to comprehend stuff like that. You don't understand anything. I mean, like, you're in primary school, so you have primary school problems. But, like, secondary school, I feel like your brain begins to develop more. You begin to understand more sort of, like, empathy, sympathy, 
that kind of thing. Well, you probably learn as well, obviously, that when you hurt someone, it hurts them, yeah. you know? Whereas when you're a kid and you hurt your mom or whatever, and they're like, ow, <laughs> you probably won't take it so seriously because you don't really get it. Like, yeah. it's kind of hard for you to understand that other people exist and are not just there for you. Exactly, yeah. But when you're that age, it is, it is complicated. But again, you don't know her, so you don't know where, how developed she was. Definitely. Some people mature way faster than others. Yeah, but I think realistically, I probably would have, you know, maybe said like life sentence possibility for parole after like 15, 20 years. Wow. You know, because his was 25 years. That feels appropriate. With a life sentence. Yeah, but like, what's the difference? True, yeah. Because they were both both involved. I guess because he's the one who physically did it. Yeah, but she could have fought, possibly physically older. killed her brother. Her own brother. True. I guess if they can't prove it, though, how are you supposed to... I know. It's crazy. Enforce that, yeah. Well, that was cheery. Oh, well, it only gets cheery for me, everyone, because mine is equally as grim, probably more. Before you do that, though, want to plug us? I do want to plug us. If you like the podcast, please go follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at MidsMagicPod. And if you want to get some merch, then you can do that at MidsMagicKimono.com and click on the merch button. It's really cool. I'm wearing it right now. It's cozy, warm, great for the winter months. (laughs) And if you want to support us financially, it will be very much appreciated. And you can do that at Patreon.com forward slash MidsMagicMurder. Over on Patreon, we don't have like a tier system like some other podcasts or YouTubers or whatever. We've just got pay as little or as much as you can. Every little helps us. You will get extra episodes, pre-release information on what all of the episodes are going to be. You get a 10% discount over on the merch store as well. So if you see something that tickles your fancy, you'll get it for a little bit cheaper. So you should do that. (laughs) Also, if you have any haunted happenings, terrifying tales or spooky stories, you can email those over to us on mythsmagicandmurder at gmail.com. Alright, so today I'm going to be telling you about the vampire of Dusseldorf. Wait, you didn't say it. Should we get straight into it? Oh, we should get straight into it. <laughs> uh, or Peter Curtin, as he was known legally. Curtin? So this is German, and I don't, I'm very bad at <laughs> accents. I'm sure if I ask Kate, she will do them for me. Uh, it's K-U-R-T-E-N. I think there might have been a... Umlaut? Yeah, over the U. Curtin? Curtain is what I'm going to pronounce it like. I'm I'm aware that he's German and I'm really sorry, but it's going to be better for everyone if I just don't attempt it to do really that. It really is. She's awful at accents, honestly. It all comes out like Gru from Despicable Me. Oh, definitely, yeah. I could do it in that in that accent if you want, Gru. <laughs> Please. No, no, maybe for Patreon. He was, <laughs> he was a German serial killer who may or may not have been a vampire. It's debatable. But this man was absolutely wild and horrific, so this story will be quite gory. Trigger warning. But I've left some unnecessary gross details out because they didn't really add to the story. So if you want those, they'll be in my sources and you can read them for yourself. My sources are biography.com, listverse.com, Wikipedia, all that's interesting, Daily Mail and crimeandinvestigation.co.uk. I feel like Daily Mail literally cover everything. Daily Mail covered mine as well, but the article wasn't very good. Yeah, I don't like to use them because they're not a super reputable source, but they do have articles that you just cannot find anywhere else right well also they cover absolutely random things like i see them as sort of like british tabloid you know like oh they'll cover the royal wedding and like what's happening with the economy i guess in like layman's terms but then you see them talking about like aliens and vampires and i'm like why do i never see this in the newspaper i think it's just the stuff they can put online 
Ah, uh, yes. They buy stories. So, Peter was born in May of 1883, and he was the third of 13 children. His parents were abusive alcoholics. Oh, no. When Peter was just 11, his father was jailed for committing incest with his 13-year-old daughter. Oh, no. I told you this was going to be grim. The family were also living in extreme poverty. They were sharing a one-room apartment. With 13 of them? With 13 kids and the parents. Oh my god, there's 15 people? Yeah. Shortly after Peter's father was released from jail, his mother divorced him and remarried and relocated the family to Dusseldorf. Good for her. This is where Peter started to become violent. Bad for her. At the age of nine, Peter was playing with two school friends on a boat when he purposefully drowned both of them. He pushed one friend overboard, and then when the other friend jumped in to help him, Peter had both held both of their heads underwater oh my God. until they drowned. <gasps> How old is he? Nine. Never mind then, you've just absolutely topped my story. Double homicide at nine years old. At the time, this was dismissed as a tragic accident by police, but Peter knew otherwise, and shortly after this, he found a different friend. His new friend lived in the same building as him, However, he was an older man who caught dogs to torture, kill, and perform bestiality on them. No, don't do that. Mm -mm 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 -mm. Their friendship was obviously unhealthy, and the man began taking nine-year-old Peter on his rounds to capture the dogs. Don't. Peter started actively participating in torturing, killing, and violating the animals, and as he matured, Peter started to perform bestiality on different types of animals, as well as killing and torturing them. I do not understand bestiality. I mean... I know that most people don't, but what is sexy about a dog? It's not. I think it's just the power. Oh, goodness me. There's other ways to enjoy power play safely, well, legally, more, and humanely. There's more grim details, but I'm not sure how intensely I should go into that. Um, I will mention, I didn't write this down because it is quite grim, but because we're talking about it, I think it was definitely a power and torture thing because he liked to stab them during it. No! So I'm assu assuming it was a combination. These poor dogs. And sheep and goats. And, and sheep and goats and others. Others. Anyway. Oh man, this is horrible. <sighs> yeah. He also began committing petty crime, which led him to frequently being in prison for short amounts of time. He was arrested and imprisoned for longer in 1899 after he left school. That's good for the wildlife. <laughs> Well, his dad had forced him to become an apprentice moulder, and he worked as a moulder for two years, but then he stole all the money from his employer and his family and ran off to a different city to start a different life. <laughs> but he was caught just a month later and sent to prison. Good. You can't steal everyone's money like that, dude. Just own your own. But he was released in the same year. Oh my god. Though, the brutal conditions of the prison and solitary confinement made Peter start to question what it would be like to hurt humans the way that he'd been hurting animals. Oh, Christ. So four months after he was released from prison, he picked up a girl, and they engaged in consensual sex, but he also attempted to strangle the girl to death with his bare hands. And he thought he'd killed her, but he hadn't. And then he realised that he really liked the sexual fulfilment he got from killing people, so he wanted to do it again. Oh no. But before he could, he was arrested for fraud. Twice. He also threatened a woman with a gun, so he was jailed for four more years. Oh my god. This and man's really... He's conquering all of the crimes. Oh, he's... Yeah, it's a journey. 
it's not just a he's not a one root guy. Yeah, I felt really awkward in like researching this in the library. <laughs> in the children's section of the oh, library. God, I felt absolutely filthy. <laughs> Immediately after he was released from prison, he was drafted into the German army, but he soon deserted his position because he realized he would rather commit arson, which he then did. He gained a lot of satisfaction from committing arson, partly because he gained sexual satisfaction from seeing the fire. What is this man not into? And partly because he hoped to burn sleeping homeless people. Oh my god. That's so aggressive. He was arrested for arson on New Year's Eve of 1904 and admitted to the police that he'd committed arson 24 times. That day. What? So he was imprisoned again until 1913. He later admitted to psychologists that being in prison for this amount of time let him question his sex and murder fantasies, which ended up sort of spiralling out of control to the point where his fantasies also included killing masses of people. It so, makes you wonder, doesn't it? If he hadn't have gone to prison, do you think he would have been a lesser criminal? Possibly. I think it's definitely possible. He said that his fantasy of killing mass amounts of people gave him the same satisfaction that others would get from seeing like a photo of a naked woman. So much so that he would sometimes just uncontrollably orgasm while thinking about killing just masses of people. There is definitely a wrong connection there, buddy. Oh, for sure. So he was released in 1913, and unsurprisingly, prison did not affect him in any way other than making him worse. So he committed his first murder. It was on May 25th, and he was burgling a place, and he encountered a 10-year-old girl named Christine Klein, Klein asleep in her bed. And he killed her by slashing her throat with a pocket knife. Oh my god. And he got immense sexual satisfaction at the sight of the blood. Oh, what a dickhead. And what's really sad as well is that it was like a flat above a pub and her parents were working in the pub oh, just no. underneath. Also, he was the worst, I mean, obviously, but he went back to the pub across the street the next day to drink because he wanted to hear the locals talk about the crime because he liked how disgusted that they were. So he wanted to just listen to gain that kind of gratification it's crazy isn't it that some people really like people being disgusted at them it's like flashes they love it yeah it's and crazy it's like, why why do you want to be ridiculed like why does that feed your ego it's very odd yeah i under like i mean i don't understand it but obviously in terms of notoriety i would get it but to hear everyone be disgusted at you you know what i mean that's yeah. it's weird. It's definitely strange. I can't understand. I mean, obviously, well, I, I can't, can't understand, understand any of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. But as a you know, from a psychology perspective, I guess I literally just cannot even process why why you would want people to be grossed out by you because I don't even know it's him. He's just hearing people talk about like, oh, did you hear how horrible that crime was? And he's like, fuck yeah, I did that. Well, I guess it's just like people talking about you, though. Yeah, possibly. He committed his second murder two months later, while he was burgling a different property, and he strangled seven-year-old Gertrude Franken to death. What is it with the kids, man? Leave them alone. He escaped both of these crime scenes without anyone noticing him, but he was caught again for arson and imprisoned for another six years. When he got out in 1921, he actually got married to a woman named August, Augusti, Scharf, and he engaged... <laughs> hey. It's not Scharf, I can tell you that. Scharf. Oh, Christ. He engaged in sexual acts with her on their wedding night, only because he was able to think about murder. 
Oh. After this, he only agreed to have sex with her when she explicitly asked him to, because it gave him absolutely nothing. He also became regularly employed for the first time, since the moulding thing. But he did also start having two different affairs. And when his wife discovered this, one of the women reported him to the police for seducing her. So Peter went back to prison to serve six months. But they were like, you can get out early if you just leave the city and don't come back. Because we've had enough of you. So you just... Understandable. Let you out free and then you just don't come back. Do not make it another city's problem. Well, he came back anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Oh, for God's sake. You have one rule. After being in prison, unsurprisingly, Peter again turned to murder. No. In February of 1929, his violent act started back up. He attacked an elderly woman named Apollina Kuhn. Sorry, I'm butchering every I am name. so sorry to the German audience. If she'd have asked, I would have helped her. He stabbed her 24 times with a sharp pair of scissors. Many of the wounds were so deep that they impacted her bones. Oof. But she survived. Oh my god, good for you. Right? Five days later, Peter strangled a nine-year-old girl named Rosa Ohlinger before stabbing her in multiple places with the same pair of scissors. He then sexually assaulted the body and he hid her under a hedge. She was discovered the next day. He just wasn't even trying to cover it up. I'm so angry at this man. Yeah, he's the worst. And it wasn't just women, because after another five days, Peter stabbed a mechanic named Rudolf Scheer, and the body was discovered. And he went back to the crime scene the the next day to falsely inform the police that he'd heard about the murder from a friend to sort of see if he could help. That's like on Among Us. When you call them in and you've murdered them because you're gonna look innocent. Yeah. That's clever. I mean, I don't like this guy, I don't rate him for his actions, but of that is a not. clever way to go about it. Yeah. Well, the search for the vampire began. They started calling him the vampire of Dusseldorf and it started hitting the press. However, there was a man with learning disabilities who they also thought would be a suspect. So the police just sent him to him as sent him to an asylum. And they were like, we've solved it. Sorted. Oh, good God. But obviously they hadn't. So later in the year, Peter attempted to strangle and kill four more women. But he didn't actually succeed in killing them. And then when August came around, he arranged a date with a young woman named Maria Hahn. And after several hours of each other's company, he took her to a meadow where he stabbed and killed her. He then buried the body, but he returned back to it in a few weeks in an attempt to dig it up to tie it to a tree so that he could freak everyone out purely just to disgust the public. What? Yeah, but then he realized she was too heavy, so he just embraced her and then reburied her. He just gave her a hug? Yeah, and then just put her back in the ground. What? He went back there just so he could like gross the, out the entire area. How? That's insane. Right? I thought you were going to say, like, he went back for a trophy, you know, because, like, serial killers do that, went back for a ring or something like that, lock her hair. No. No Went back to tie to a tree, just freak everyone out. Yeah. What is wrong with this man? Couldn't tell you. You're the psychologist. Tell me. I'm lost. Honestly, lost. Serious childhood trauma. Yeah. Well, after three months went by, Peter sent an anonymous letter to the police confessing to the murder, and he drew a map of where they could find her body. And he also switched his choice of weapon to a knife so the police would think he was a different killer. He is actually so narcissistic. 
Yeah. It's unreal. Because I know that a lot of serial killers want fame, I guess. They want their works. You know, it's like um, in my one, Jasmine was like, oh, we're legends, you know. I get that a lot of killers want that. But that is to a next level. Writing in to be like, here's exactly how you can find her. But then the amount of smarts it would take to completely change your MO. Well, yeah, because partly I was like, when I was researching this, I was like, oh, he's feeling guilt for this woman. He embraced her. And then he was like, oh, I have to tell the police where they, you know, the her body yeah, is. But and they found know, her. You don't know that he didn't just embrace her to get off on it. Oh, yeah. Because he's a he's one sick fuck. Well, he told the police everything afterwards and he didn't mention anything about that. And he mentioned graphic sexual details on pretty much all of these, which I haven't added because it's just kind not of wrong and unnecessary. Yeah. But yeah, I'm just not sure. But then he purposefully changed his weapon and planned to keep killing. So he obviously didn't feel that much guilt. Well, yeah. But at least they found her body so they could properly bury her. His next victims would be an 18-year-old girl, a 30-year-old man, and a 37-year-old woman. They didn't die, but they were wounded, and they were able to tell the police that they'd not spoken a word to their attacker. He was just a pleasant-looking man that randomly attacked them in the street. That's crazy, because it's just such a level of anger towards everyone. It's not like women that are the same age as his mum, or, you know, men that look like his father that abused him. It's just everyone. He it's hates kids, everyone. It's men, women, literally every single person. Yeah, he's not a... No one is safe. He's not necessarily like a pedophile. He's not yeah, obsessed with sex workers or anything like that. Well, that's that, the that trouble, though, is that he's everything. He just hates people. And he just wants to get off on the thought of killing everyone. Just every single person. That's... Wow. That's a lot. It's fascinating, but also terrifying. A few days later, he, till he killed two girls, Lucy Lenzen and Gertrude Hamacher, aged 5 and 14. Peter bit the neck of Gertrude, and he sucked her blood out from her wounds. The next day, Peter killed another woman named Gertrude Schlue, after she refused to have violent sex with him, and then he committed two murders after this, and then he later killed 22-year-old Elizabeth Duria with a hammer, and he used the same hammer to attack two other women, but they both survived and his hammer broke during one of them. That's a lot of force. Yeah. His last victim was five-year-old Gertrude Alberman, who oh. he stabbed and strangled to death. Stop! Where is the need? In 1930, Peter attempted to attack Maria Budlick, and Maria didn't report her attack to the police, but her close friend... She told her close friend instead, like, hey, this happened to me, like, be careful. And her close friend then wrote a letter to the police explaining what had happened to her friend. What was case... her friend's name? I don't know. Oh. Why? I was going to give her a fucking shout out. Good for her. Good for her. If something shitty happens to you, report it. Even if they can't get the guy or whatever, at least they'll know that something's going on. At least they have somewhat of a description. At least maybe next time they can stop it. Yeah. Well, her friend wrote to the police and was like, there's a slim chance this could be the Dusseldorf vampire, so I want you to go and sort this out, like, check it out. So they visited Peter at his home, and he gave a very specific and detailed account for his crimes. So he confessed immediately, and he told them everything, and he told a psychology everyth psychologist everything, because his memory was also photographic, 
So he was like, he, the articles are very graphic because he can remember everything. So instead of just being like, oh yeah, five years ago I'd killed like three people. He was like, I killed this person. In this This exact way. This is what I did. This is what I did afterwards. This is how I felt. See, now that's even sicker because he had a photographic memory. So he could have remembered it and just got off on that. If it was just sexual gratification he was looking for and that was the only um, kind of kink, I guess, he had was pain. But it's not even that. It's just greed. Yeah. That's sick. It's absolutely wild. So why was he called the vampire? Was it just because he bit that one girl on the neck? He drank that girl's blood and I think the bodies were just so mutilated. Right, right. So he went to trial and it took only 19 minutes for the jury to find him guilty and he was executed by guillotine on July the 2nd, 1931. And get this, his last words were, tell me, after my head is chopped off, Will I still be able to hear, at least for a moment, the sound of my own blood gushing from the stump of my neck? That will be the pleasure to end all pleasures. What's extremely strange and interesting is that they kept the head. They mummified it and you can go and see it. I hate when people do this. It's Uh, like Jeremy Bentham is entirely embalmed and you can just go see him whenever you want. Yeah. At Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum in Wisconsin, they have the guy's skull cut in half, and you can see it like inside of his head and the outside of his head, just all mummified. That's so interesting, right? Wow, that must have been so helpful to scientists. Because for ages it was like, um, does the shape of your head correlate with how you think, how you act, how you behave, that kind of thing? It was a big thing. Yeah, like if you had a lump on a certain part of your head, maybe it meant that like you were more logical than artistic or whatever. I presume it doesn't. No, 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 it doesn't. It's yeah. absolute bollocks. But <laughs> but they thought it for a long time. But um, there have been other things linked to more antisocial behavior, like a lack of um, gray matter in like prefrontal cortex or things like that. So I guess it would be super interesting to see like what his looked like because he was just off the rails entirely. Yeah. What do you think about about that? Just about everything. About him? Yeah. I think he was just... I think the system... I think his family failed him. I think the system failed him. But I think he was probably predisposed to have violent, aggressive tendencies from how he was raised anyway. Fair enough. And I think it just snowballed from there. Um, Because he wasn't... It was like nature and nurture were bad for him. Yeah. What was... What is the... So if you have super abusive parents, Mm -hmm. presuming that means that you are more likely to be violent? It, It depends. Because it's like... If... Okay, so let me break it down in like a different way. Say your mum is like, great job for going to the doctors. Here's a snack, you know, right? Did your mum ever do that? Yeah, did. we get yeah. McDonald's. Exactly, yeah. Um, and so now, for example, I have a really unhealthy obsession with food because <laughs> I do it to reward myself. I'm like, wow, I've had a hard day. I should get takeaway. 
Right. Yeah, yeah. Same. Exactly. So it's like if your parents abuse you for no reason, then when you're older, you're like, well, I can just abuse them for no reason. It'll make me feel better. That's why they did it to me. Right. Yeah. So it kind of, you're not predisposed to be aggressive, but you might get a disordered line of thought going through into your later life. Well, again, I didn't mention this in in the show notes because it just wasn't really, didn't feel necessary, but now it does because of the conversation. When his dad, so his dad used to physically abuse him the most Mm -hmm. because he was the oldest son, Mm -hmm. but he would abuse all of the kids Mm -hmm. and they were all in one room and there was a lot of shit going on. Mm -hmm. But he um, raped his daughter, Mm -hmm. who was 13 at the time, who was his oldest daughter. Mm -hmm. And then several years later, Peter attempted to rape her as well. Yeah. And he didn't. Well, it's just like... You know, you watch your father figure do something, you're more likely to do that. You know, it's it's the same sort of logic. And also, if he... Because it was when he moved away, wasn't it, that the guy with the animal abuse found him? I think so. Yeah. It diff- says different things in different sources, but he definitely met that guy when yeah, he was, so like, like, nine. He probably saw that guy as a father figure. So, like, when he saw his real father, his father figure... um incestually abusing doing acts of a pedophile he copied that and then he found a new father figure latched onto him and then he started doing bestiality torture blah blah blah. it reinforced the earlier things from his father and then opened his mind to new things which is why i think he was so open to so many crimes yeah well as well the petty crime was just to get by well i think he's poor I think it would also explain why he would want to listen to other people talking about his crimes. Because if you weren't getting love, I guess, if you weren't getting any acknowledgement, if you are one of 13 children and you were abused the most and, you know, all of that has happened, you've not really had a stable life, stable father figure, blah, 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 you will look for acknowledgement however you can. And now that doesn't mean that someone that doesn't get acknowledged has to go on to be a serial killer, paedophile, bestiality, arsonist, etc. But you can kind of see where he was coming from, although it was obviously entirely all wrong. Yeah, fair enough. That makes sense. That's interesting. So that's what I think. Plus he was a massive narcissist. (laughs) Oh yeah. So, all round bad guy. I had an idea I wanted to talk about, but I've completely forgotten it. Well, maybe we'll talk about it on Patreon if we ever remember. Maybe. (laughs) Okay, well, I'm done for today. Oh, I think I'm done as well. So, don't listen before bed. Listen before bed.